let's have our little chat this morning with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Hey, good morning. Simi and I trust you were impressed with the quick turnaround by the yeah. government on the decision uh, on that request to defer old-growth logging at Ferry Creek. Yeah, it seems like it was stuck in a stalemate for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden in the last week that log jam broke. Yeah, we talk about how, you know, take government forever to decide things. 48 hours. Man, oh man, is that an efficient government? First Nation requested the logging be deferred on Monday. Cabinet met Wednesday, and the Premier came out and met with reporters and said, hey, it's done. Uh, the logging is deferred. Called it a historic and a transcendent moment. Um, sarcasm aside... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think what this is really is this is how quickly government can make a decision when you've got an ugly, nasty showdown in the Premier's own riding, which pits one wing of the NDP, the environmental green side, against the other wing of the NDP, the logging forest job side. And they really wanted to resolve this as fast as they could. Sigh of relief when the First Nation, which it's their territory, or the three First Nations, asked for the logging deferral on Monday. And I don't think that was a long discussion at the cabinet table. I suspect that halfway through the motion, they went approved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And it just seems like everything has moved around. What does this really mean, though? Like, what is this, what's going to happen? Well, when with the this? Premier says it's a transcendent transcendent moment and the forest minister says it's historic, uh, that's actually not an exaggeration. You've had this government for the first time really recognizing that the forests going forward are going to be managed in partnership um, with the First Nations on whose traditional territory the trees stand and the land uh, is theirs. I mean, this is a, a it's it's such a big change that I think you have to stand back and really go. Even the environmentalists haven't figured this out yet, right? They're mm -hmm. they're running this like another war in the woods. It's you know the well-meaning greeny environmentalists with their international backing and uh, their platoons of young British Columbians and seniors here in the capital who are willing to get themselves arrested versus the nasty old forest companies. And they're kind of overlooking that, no, the, the ground has shifted here. It isn't just the forest companies now, and it certainly isn't just a government not living up to its promises. Uh, the key player here are the indigenous people, the First Nations, who are saying, this has gone on long yeah. enough. We're going to decide on how the forests are going to be managed in keeping with our values, maintaining their jobs and employment, but also preserving old growth. And that's the new era in British Columbia. Is, implications go way beyond this, right? I think mm -hmm. it, it affects all, in the long run, all land use decisions, all resource management decisions in British Columbia. The provincial government in B.C., the premier's office, which has been managing stuff by edict and legislation and regulation, choosing to consult or not consult as it sees fit, that era is gone. Yeah. Uh, we're actually going to be speaking with Katrine Conroy, Conroy, the forest minister, coming up a little bit later in the show. So more to come on that. Uh, let's also talk about the whole cruise ship situation. I understand the premier finally had a chat with some of the lawmakers from Alaska. Yeah, so not everything happens within 48 hours. No kidding. <laughs> it's a good contrast. So four months ago, February the 12th, the, the 
Alaskan congressional delegation, so two two senators and a congressional representative, uh, wrote to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau with a copy to Premier John Horgan saying, we're very concerned that we're going to lose another cruise ship season here in Alaska. This is central to our economy. And our cruise ships, uh, the cruise ships that come to Alaska, stop in Canadian ports on the way because of American law. And uh, they're not going to be able to stop in those Canadian ports, so the season isn't going to happen. We'd like to talk to you. We're sorry that you've closed your ports for another year without even consulting us. We suggest we look at options, and one of the things they suggested was a dialogue, and another thing they suggested was a workaround on the legislation. They really didn't get any response from British Columbia. Premier exactly. Horgan said, it's a blip, not going to happen. Chances of passage uh, of them doing anything legislative or remote. Well, as we know, Simi, the Alaskans uh, got together, got the American uh, Senate and House of Representatives worked up, got a piece of legislation, a workaround done through legislation that would allow the ships to go from Seattle to Alaska without stopping in Canada. And... Um, the president signed it into law. So the premier finally talked to Senator Murkowski yesterday, as I say, uh, four months after they first wrote. Premier says, well, you know, their real concern is with the Canadian government, not really with the province of British Columbia. And the premier says, you know, that idea that the Alaskans had about these uh, stops, uh, technical stops that would allow a workaround, well, he thinks that's a a good idea. But, you know, that was like four months ago. If he'd said that, uh, we might have avoided or saved the season for British Columbia. And that's nowhere near to happening right now. No, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, you know, uh, you've been, the news has been covering the, there are other obstacles to opening the border. There's a lot of back and forth on it. But the the cruise ship season, it looks as if it's going to start out of Seattle at the end of July. The concern in the industry here in B.C. is, is that this might not be temporary, that if it goes ahead and it works, uh, that the Americans might extend or make it optional, the stops in Canada, and that could have a big impact on the B.C. cities that do very well off uh, the stopovers from uh, the cruise ship business out of Seattle uh, mm-hmm. going to Alaska. So more to come on that one, too. Uh, very quickly, uh, we also have Michael Lee coming on the show uh, shortly. But So he threw his hat officially into the race yesterday for the B.C. Liberal leadership. Yes, he did. And uh, I think his short uh, list, uh, to-do list, is, is probably he's hit uh, the mark on it. He wants to, the party to do more about promoting, uh, promoting diversity. He thinks the party's got to work on trust. He thinks the party's got to work on unity. I'd say that's, yeah, that's, that's a starting point for him. Uh, uh, certainly the voters, I think, have had a lot of problems with the liberals around that issue. Um, interesting, you know, his rival for the leadership, the, the putative front runner, Kevin Falcon, has made it a priority to change the party's name. Uh, what Lee says on that is he will take direction from the party on it. I don't think it's as much of a priority for him as it is for uh, Falcon. The other thing that that struck me about his presentation last night, and it's interesting to see him, I know he's run before, but I expect anybody who logged into that Facebook presentation uh, live from his kitchen at his home, uh, they got to see his three children uh, speak nicely about him and his wife, and uh, probably the first 
sort of much contact than anybody had with huh. uh, Michael Lee being a person uh, sitting around <laughs> joking with his with his spouse and everything. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. For a guy who's run before, I realized that I didn't know that much about him, and I think that's probably true of a lot of voters. I do. I, th- I agree with you. I think that's absolutely true. Also, anytime you can get your kids to say nice things about you, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're adult know. children, so oh. they're, out of, they're out of school. <laughs> Were they teenagers? I'm not sure you could really... Yeah, be so lucky. Say too much. <laughs> Wouldn't be so lucky. I know, but so we're, do you think there's going to be more people jumping into this race? I think there's one more coming. Uh, the MLA uh, from Kelowna, she's uh, very, very active. Uh, Renee Merrifield, uh, I think she's going to jump in as well. So they'll have a field of, what, five candidates uh, for a party that okay. uh, had its worst result in modern times uh, last fall. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a rebuilding job to do there, but there's also a, a interest. Interest. One thing that jumped out at me last mm-hmm. night, um, uh, Lee's political attack was on the NDP. It was not on John Horgan. Now, in the House, the Liberals are attacking the Premier every day, but Lee attacked the NDP. I think he's been looking at the opinion polls, <laughs> because, as you know and reported yesterday, John Horgan... Uh, is what, the second popular. most popular premier in Canada. If you're going to make an issue around this, uh, probably you're wiser to go after the NDP record and just kind of hope that uh, people focus on it and not necessarily John Horgan. So true. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye.